part of our stand around the type of relationship that we're standing for and that we're speaking of is because when you can create a secure enough relationship where you feel safe, you feel secure, you feel like you can be more authentically yourself, then there's the opportunity for these layers of repressed desire to actually start to percolate up and we can become more in contact with what we desire. Welcome to The Art of We, the podcast where we explore how committed partnerships can be potent vehicles for fully delivering our gifts to the world. Hi, I'm Krista Vanderveer, a seasoned consultant and executive coach. And I'm Dr. Will Vanderveer, a leader and educator in integrative mental health and wellness. As husband and wife and business partners, we keep learning that the key to maximizing our authenticity and impact in the world lies inside the health, security, and depth of our relationship. On this show, we'll pull back the curtains to share lessons, insights, and practices from our own marriage and professional careers that help us thrive. If you're a leader, founder, or overachiever, and you want to leverage your relationships for personal and collective growth, then you're in the right place. Welcome everybody to episode 27 of The Art of We. Today we're gonna be talking about desire and one of our vows that we actually created because this is so important to us. But before we get into the content, we wanna share that we created a newsletter that has additional resources for you. So different ways that we stay connected, optimized, healthy, and living on mission. We include these things in our newsletter because it's just too much to try to all put it inside of a podcast. So if you're interested in that, you can go to kristavanderveer.com and sign up for our newsletter there. So today we're going to share about our vow, one of 24 vows that we've created. And the vow it says that we vow to live and lead from desire. This is a good one. I like this one. So why don't we start off by what we mean by living and leading from desire and potentially it could be a little bit different for us. So I guess we'll find out. You want to get us started? Yes. First, I'll define what I mean by desire when I'm relating to it. And desire for me is really orienting towards what we're wanting, what we're wanting in life, what switches us on, what inspires us, what is the thing that's pulling us forward to become a better, more evolved human being in our lives? And so when I'm relating to living and leading from desire, I'm really standing for a kind of sovereignty in my mindset rather than defaulting or getting stuck in living from fear or the daily grind or the kind of ground groundhog's day mentality where it's like, oh, okay, I have to wake up and do the thing again. And, you know, I wake up, I do this next thing, I do this next thing, I need to do this next thing. We eat dinner, we go to bed. It's easy for me to get stuck inside of that. So for me, it's really flexing the muscle of working my neuro pathways. So I am deliberately and intentionally orienting towards desire, possibility, inspiration, and living and leading from that place. So that's how I relate to it. I'm curious, Will, how you relate to it. Before I share my version of that, I'm wondering if you would be willing to share where your connection came from to living from desire. Do you remember where that started for you? That's a great question. And I feel like it's complex because 
I don't feel like I was really taught how to lean in towards desire. I feel like I was more taught to be careful, like make sure you dot your I's and cross your T's and don't upset anybody and don't get too loud or too big or whatever the thing is that's going to create discomfort either in myself or others. I think that the moments where, honestly, I was probably with other girlfriends or women in my life where we're allowing ourselves to stretch into different kinds of possibilities than what we've been trained to stretch into are the moments where I feel most alive or have felt most alive. And then that has created a pathway for me like, ooh, like I think that there's something here. I think there's something I feel so alive when I'm exploring these possibilities that my brain in other ways says it's not okay. And I think that started this cascade of really looking to seek and find in all the different areas of my life where desire lives. And I know when I stood for you before I knew you in our relationship, it really came from this knowing that there's a possibility in relationship that I deeply desire. And it took a lot for me to get there based on what I've learned either through other adults who've modeled relationship for me or what that looked like. It's taken me a lot to stand for my desires. So that's a great question. It feels complex. I appreciate the inquiry. There's so many layers of conditioning for women in our culture around desire and what's okay, what's not okay. What can you show? What are you supposed to do? And I think it's true for, for men as well, to some degree. For men, I think it's acceptable to have certain expressions of desire, socially acceptable. I mean, like checking women out in public. It's kind of not great, not a great behavior, but it's kind of accepted in our culture. It's like, oh, that's what men do. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about desire that is more raw and unfiltered, that's not wrong or bad. And I guess for me, it, it starts with growing up in a family where the grownups didn't really know how to be with their desire in a conscious way. It wasn't really talked to, there was no conversation about that. And I remember learning that there were ways to get ahead or be successful in life, but it wasn't, it was by playing the game, by a strategic game. And it wasn't by following your inspiration or your artistic impulse or it certainly wasn't like part of my school where some schools today have a more desire-oriented curriculum where you just follow what you want to do. Definitely not a part of my experience. So I think every aspect of my life was impacted from this training to be more strategic, more calculated, to get the kind of result that I was trained to believe was the best result you could get was from strategy and not from authentic expression. Right. So then how did you get in touch with your own relationship to desire or inspiration since it wasn't really taught? I think there were two main contributors there. One was my relationship with nature always gave me a feeling of authentic curiosity and freedom and wanting to explore the natural world. When I was in the forest as a child, the Boy Scouts and things like that, that was a place where I didn't know it at the time, but looking back at that, there was a way that my desire came alive. 
and natural environments, camping and hiking and things like that. But the other piece was getting into healing work and beginning to uncover layers of trauma in my body from somatic psychotherapy that I started in my 30s. It really helped me to discern the difference in the felt sense physically in my body between what it feels like to follow the rules and be a good boy and go after the credentials that society is set up for people like me to go after versus the felt sense of living from this more authentic place. It took many years for me to become very familiar with that experience, that that physical experience of, okay, this is what it feels like to make deep contact with myself and know the truth of my desire and to express that. I don't remember who or how this vow came up for us when we were creating our vows together. I think we had conversations before we were engaged about this concept of living our lives through this lens of what inspires us, what draws us forward versus fear-based or getting stuck and not seeing possibility. Why do you feel like this vow is important for us inside of our marriage and our committed relationship? I think that I've had experiences in the past of living inside of, you mentioned Groundhog Day, and it's such a great example or metaphor for just going through the motions of life and waking up and doing the same thing over and over again without really even considering why you're doing that. And I think that for me, there's a, there's a freshness and a, a vitality and a excitement that I feel when I break out of that hamster wheel for a while and I get a feeling of the fresh air of life and being in a more creative space. And I know that it's not realistic to live from that all the time, but it feels uh, way more interesting to live from that place and face the challenges that come from living that in that place versus navigating the challenges of living a life that's more repetitive and more rote. So if we were to compare relationship and the impact in relationship, when we're living inside of a hamster wheel, Groundhog's Day type of relationship, I love how you said we're not really examining what we're doing or why we're doing it. It's just like, this is the next thing we do in a certain way, not a, and not everything. But the impact of that kind of perspective on our partnership, on our we, versus when both of us are at least practicing I agree, it's not realistic to live inside of what we're talking about every single day, but or every single moment. But what's your felt sense of the difference inside of relationship between these two different perspectives? Well, first of all, when I perceive you disconnected from desire and living from repetition or obligation, I start getting concerned that we're going to have some kind of earthquake that arises when the plates under the earth of our connection slip from the tension that arises from living a less inspired time in our lives. So that's one piece is I think it's uncomfortable for me knowing that you have a desire that you're not connected to. I mean, that's the fear side. And then I also, it's so gratifying for me to 
witness you running after desire. You know, it's like watching someone run a race and you're just cheering them on. Like, it's just so exciting to see that level of inspiration in your being. When I see that, it gives me energy and excitement inside of our relationship. Mm, I think that's a good way to explain it. I think with the more hamster willy routine Groundhog's Day side of things, it can become pretty mundane, pretty boring. I think we can start to project onto our partner that there's like something wrong with them, that our relationship isn't exciting or juicy. And then we're kind of like, maybe in that question that we did a podcast about a couple of podcasts ago, of should I stay or should I go? Because we're not actually generating the aliveness. I think that a big part of our responsibility inside of a committed partnership is to actually generate the experience that we want to have and for both of us to be responsible for that. So when I feel us living and leading from desire, I can say the same thing about you, Will. It's like when you're inspired about the projects you're working on, when you're really aligned and in touch with your mission and you're seeing how your actions are deliberately moving that forward and you're feeling that and you're getting feedback and included in that is a certain type of generativity that I feel from you that feeds me and our relationship. And it's not that I want to make anything wrong for when either of us are not inspired, we're not in touch with our desires. I think it's very natural to ebb and flow from our inspiration. And I think the question is, how do we deal with it when we're not fully in our inspiration? Absolutely. It reminds me of a concept that I've read about in classical art or the way that artists in ancient times related to the creative process. And it, it's kind of like building a relationship with the muse or with, we could say desire, is a uh, disciplined practice, right? It's like a creator, whether it's an artist or a painter or a sculptor or a musician, showing up every day to be in that encounter and the muse might not show up for hours or days or weeks or months or years but the show up is where the magic can unfold as opposed to well i'm not inspired today or i'm not feeling desire today so i'll just go back to my routines and kind of blow off the encounter or the relationship absolutely and we'll share here what we do to support each other. And that's a big part of how we support each other. I love that so much. So let's take a quick break. When we come back from the break, we'll talk about why it's hard, why we have a hard time with staying inside of this vow and where we get stuck and also how we support each other. We'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this episode. I want to take a quick break to let you know about a gift we created for you and your partner. We compiled our top 10 relationship agreements, agreements that have been so powerful in supporting the success of our partnership that we even turned them into our wedding vows. These agreements help us stay connected, growing, and thriving as a couple, and they've been critical to help us create a kind of we that's way beyond what we've ever experienced before. You can download this free gift at kristavanderveer.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-A-V-A-N D-E-R-V-E-E-R.com. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, it would be so meaningful to us if you left us a rating and review. 
Not only does it help others find us, but it gives us critical feedback on how we're doing. Thanks in advance. And now back to the episode. So let's take a look at why living in contact with desire can be difficult. First of all, the concept of desire in our culture is problematic because there are these religious undertones of our culture, which is not necessarily a Christian thing. It can be found in any tradition, the prohibition on acting on desire, right? We're not supposed to kill. We're not supposed to commit adultery. We're not supposed to do all these things. And the idea, I think, can come forward that desire is bad or desire is dangerous and we shouldn't live like an animal just driven by impulse. Because some people are equating desire with an animalistic impulse is what you're saying. Right. So we should probably distinguish impulse from desire because we're not talking about living from our impulses. Yeah. And like unconscious drives. Right. Right. So one of the big lessons for me around desire was learning to look at desire as something divine that can move through a person. Hmm. And for me, it was like studying art history in college. I was really moved by the beauty of the creative output of some of the great artists in history. Like, wow, look at that. That's incredible. The emotion that's shown in the body of a human form sculpted out of stone. How does that happen? It's incredible. You know, somebody had a desire to see that manifested. Mm-hmm. When we think about the things that we know and love, the technologies that we use every day that work really well for us and we love them, we, we take them for granted. Wow, somebody created that. That came out of desire. So, I think it can be it can be difficult just within the cultural context to allow us to allow ourselves to even know what we desire, let alone act on it. Yeah, and I believe that part of our stand around the type of relationship that we're standing for and that we're speaking of is because when you can create a secure enough relationship where you feel safe, you feel secure, you feel like you can be more authentically yourself, then there's the opportunity for these layers of repressed desire to actually start to percolate up and we can become more in contact with what we desire. When I've worked with women in doing women's work, executive coaching, helping women find their voices, part of why I take such a stand for that is because we're taught to, and we've already talked about this in a certain way in the beginning of this episode, we're taught to subordinate our own values and desires for other people's values and desires. And working with these women, often what happens is we get into the realm of like, what do you want? What inspires you? You know, even even making choices about colors or design or how they want to express themselves or who they want to be can often be a challenging question to answer. In big part, I say, because of the subordination that we're taught as human beings, not just women. I totally agree with you that men too, and people who don't identify as male or female have in our culture a subordinated issue to work with. So coming from a woman's perspective, my perspective over here, it's a journey. And it's I, I've never met another person who identifies 
as a woman tell me that it hasn't been hard for her to come into her desire? It's definitely a journey and a very uh, worthwhile and beautiful journey with a lot of challenges that, you know, we find very inspiring to take on. And we hope that these explorations into living from desire will trigger inspiration for you to to look at this in your own life, in yourself, maybe in your partner as well. Yeah, going back to the purpose of a securely attached partnership or earning that secure attachment, I know that there's so many things in my life, Will, that I am able to be in touch with, I'm able to do now as a result of our security in our relationship that I didn't previously have. Well, I think this is important to talk about desire as a collaborative experience or a collaborative way of holding desire where it doesn't have to be so scary because like if I have a desire to go do something that's going to be challenging, like writing a book, for example, I want for us to have that experience together. And so I'm going to seek buy-in and collaboration with you to support that thing that I'm probably going to be spending a lot of time doing, not so much doing the writing and collaboration with you, but wanting your support and vice versa. So in this way, trusting our desire can be something that strengthens our partnership if we hold it that way. Now, a lot of people, they don't have that experience or they, they don't know how to do that. And so there can be a lot of conflict in a partnership if one person wants to go do a thing. Right. There's so many things inside of that challenge because, and you can go back, the person who's listening to listen to our other vows too, because there's the challenge of the person not being for each other's greatest success. There's the issue of how do I really support this person to live into something that I'm personally afraid of, of them doing that because of what the impact might be on our relationship. There's so many things that can be challenging inside of that. But I think that our vows, all of our vows really support the next vow. And to be able to truly live and lead from desire means to me that if you want to write a book and that's moving through you, then we really work it out until we're both a full heck yes to making that happen. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be things that we need to talk about or figure out or how are we going to, you know, where's the time going to come from? What's going to be set aside so that we can find that time? How can we both really win-win from this situation? So it it's really important. I'm glad that you brought that up. Clearly, there's a lot of complexity inside of this conversation. There's a lot of different rabbit holes we could go down inside of. But I think the point that we want to get across is the stand for this kind of living and leading from desire, the impact that it can have on our relationship, and thus the impact that we can have on the world as a result of committing to this agreement. And as we've mentioned, it's not easy to do. So we want to share with you before we end what are some of the things that we practice to support each other and ourselves in staying inside of this vow. I have one. Should I start? Yes. Okay. So we try to schedule solo weekends and it depends on what's happening in our lives. But if we can do one a quarter where we each get a weekend by ourselves to deeply make contact with ourselves, to get out of the 
routines to get out of the here's what needs to happen in a day to turn off our phones to stop working to do something radically different which mostly means dropping in connecting with ourselves in ways that we generally typically don't get a chance to aside from a few minutes a day with meditation and we do that for a weekend and we see what's here we see what's inside of us we see what is getting stuck where the aliveness is and this for me is essential in me staying in touch with my vow to live and lead from desire right those weekends are really critical and i think another place that we are committed to supporting one another to be in contact with desire is a daily meditation practice which is something that we can talk about in another episode maybe the details of that but essentially taking the time every single day to deeply connect with ourselves individually side by side on meditation cushions for you know 15 to 30 minutes depending on the day and what's possible on that day but it's a way to stay in contact with what is moving through us and to get underneath this hamster wheel that we've been talking about today that can become a prominent aspect of our experience if we let it. Yes. Other ways that support us to stay in contact with our vow is journaling. I know that journaling for both of us has been really helpful. It's like taking notes and an examination of our state of being or our thoughts, getting into deeper layers about what we actually think and feel, I think really helps. And we actually have another practice that we just started, which we learned from a sexological practitioner, which is to have skin time. If you heard us talk about skin time before, you know what it is. If you haven't heard us talk about it, it's basically where we take the time to put ourselves on each other's skin without an agenda. And her invitation to us, which was extraordinary, I think it's really changed something for us and we're just starting to practice it, which is to really be with each other's bodies, leading from how we desire to touch the other body. This doesn't have to be sexual. We're just talking about what, how do I want to touch Will's body right now? How do I want to touch his body versus what do I think his body wants? How does he like to be massaged? All the things. And that's another way that we're starting to practice getting in touch with this leading from desire. It's a really rich exploration for me as well. And it's fun how elegant and simple it is to just flip the intention of how we're touching each other from, I wonder what Krista wants and how she wants to be touched to, I wonder what I want and how I want to touch your body. It's such a great practice. Really interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I would say it even goes into conversations when we're in a social environment or with each other. It's like, well, what do I really want to talk about versus, you know, what do we think is socially acceptable right now? Or what's the appropriate thing to do inside of a social circle? Or what does Will want to talk about right now? I think it's a really extraordinary practice when we can actually bring even little moments of doing something differently in our lives. It's kind of like breaking a habit or breaking the contract of going after what feels secure and what feels safe versus, you know, what's the authentic move or or words or 
action right now. We would love to hear what your practice is like. How is this impacting you? What do you notice when you start to get into asking yourself the question of, oh, what do I desire? What inspires me? That's not the, you know, even the habitual desire, you know, that you might think that always is your go-to desire. What's the thing that might be even more desirable? If you're in this exploration with us, we would so love to hear what your practice is and how you work with this. So please reach out. You can leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform, or you can contact us through the website, kristavandevere.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Thank you so much for joining us. If you found this content valuable, please follow the show and share it with your partner or other key collaborators. If the show has sparked an interesting conversation based on these topics, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on Instagram at Art of We Podcast. And we'll see you next time when we explore what it means to be better together, like butter and toast on the Art of We Podcast.